0: Amen. Love the peace of worship. Connie, this morning, appreciate that. Psalm 42 for our reading. And we'll curate into Psalm 43. If you're physically able, would you stand for the reading this morning? Our question is, why my soul? Here in our Why Me series as we finish up today. And hopefully put uh, the entire series together as we ask questions before God that have to do with our own hearts and our own soul. And our our prayers at the end of the message that we would all be able to say it is well with my soul. Psalm forty-two. As the heart panneth after the water brook, so panneth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and of the Hermonites from the hill Miser. Deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy?' As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why, why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O oh, send out thy light and thy truth; let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Father, bless us this morning as we preach Your Word. I pray that it would come alive to us, that the living God would meet with us in this place, and that You would help our souls to be refreshed and renewed in You. Guide us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you listen as Summer Sings?
1: I am guilty, ashamed of what I've done, what I've become. These hands are dirty, I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. you plead my cause you right my wrongs you break my chains you I doubt that you still love me. But in your eyes, there's only grace now. You plead my cause. You right my wrong.
0: Amen. Thank you, Summer, for that this morning. Appreciate that song, and it goes right with our message today. God pleading our cause. And really, it's a question that all of us ask ourselves from time to time. Why, my soul, what's going on inside of me? And maybe you've had a time before where you were bothered or you were upset and you couldn't even figure out why. And yeah, there's a term that uh, they have in the clinical world, uh, self-awareness. You guys ever heard of that term? And some people have a, what seems to be a lot of self-awareness. And some people seem to have very little self-awareness. And you'll see people every once in a while uh, who are uh, really upset and they're yelling. And you say, what are you so angry about? And they say something like, I'm not angry. Right? Okay. Or uh, somebody's weeping. What are you crying about? I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Right? And, uh, not trying to put that on a certain gender, but that sometimes happens. So, uh, I'm not crying. Or, uh, these are happy tears. These are happy tears. Right? Have you ever had that one? So, Self-awareness kind of is that thing where we figure out what's really going on in here. And when I was a senior in high school, there was a kid who was a grade below me, and he was about 5'11", foot, foot. and he came in in the middle of the summer, before uh, his junior year and my senior year, into the gym, and, and we were playing some pickup basketball, and I was, of course, the same great height that I am now, uh, five feet, six inches tall, with shoes on. And, and so uh, he was about 5'11", and he was wearing these contraptions on his feet that looked like flying saucers. And I said, Tim, what are you doing? And he said, well, I bought these from a magazine, because this is way back before the internet, right? And he bought them from a magazine, and they were 200 and something dollars, and he said, they're guaranteed to make me dunk by next year. Really? And so he's running around, he's jumping on these things, and he's got to do do certain exercises and jump so many times a day. And uh, here's where self-awareness came in. Here's what I realized. Even if I bought those flying saucer shoes, I wasn't going to be able to dunk by the next year. (laughs) And the truth is, I don't think Tim was able ever to dunk, right? He just couldn't ever get all the way up there. And sometimes when we don't have enough self-awareness, we begin to think that we're something that we're not. Or we begin to think we're not something that we are. And then one day, it all comes out, and we begin weeping, I'm my mother. Right? (laughs) Or I'm just like my dad. Or I didn't want to be that way. Or whatever it was. And we have all these hopes and we have these dreams of what we're going to be. Sometimes we're trying to figure out inside of our own souls, why am I not where what I want to be? How is it not working? And of course, this psalm, we don't know exactly uh, even who wrote it. I kind of think David wrote it just from the language in it. We don't know exactly what the situation was, but we know that whoever wrote this psalm and whenever he wrote this psalm, they did it because there was trouble in the camp. There was a troubled soul that was taking place at speaking these words. And we are familiar, I think many who have attended church would know the first verse, as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Uh, some versions say the deer pants after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. You know, until God becomes the very source of our soul's life and the very source of our soul's food and the very source of our soul's foundation and water, we're not going to have that relationship with Him that we need. And, and we see the psalmist here as he begins in this first one to detail the human experience and this soul that is searching for answers. And he's going to come to the conclusion at the end that the only real solution is to pursue God. And he begins kind of with that thought, as the heart pants after the water brooks. How many hunters do we have in the room? Okay, so when you think of this verse, you're thinking of deer season, right? But uh, when the nature guy or the nature lady thinks of this, this verse, they're thinking of this beautiful gazelle or this beautiful doe that is looking for a fountain or a spring anywhere to drink from. And uh, by the way, you could be a hunter and someone who enjoys looking at deer at the same time too, right? You just like to look at deer on your plate. So it's kind of, you have both things. Um, beautiful, beautiful creature coming in and uh, just getting down and lapping up the water. And you've seen an animal before that's thirsty, and you put some water out, and that animal begins to drink and to soak it in, and that's the feeling that this soul has here. So pants my soul after Thee, and so we see first of all soul thirst, soul thirst. Every soul has longing. Every soul has desire. Every soul has want. And some souls never realize that this yearning is for a relationship with the Creator Himself. And so they go everywhere that they can to find hope and health for their soul. I'm telling you, in our world today, we see it more than ever where people are trying to fill that void in their soul with things, with thrills, with more education, with relationships. Uh, with all sorts of feelings and emotions and, and they think, if I could only have this, then my soul will be happy. If I could only get her or him or whatever it is, then my soul will be happy. And I tell you this, there's nothing on this earth that will bring health to your soul. And yeah, we saw that in the last couple of weeks even in this series. Yeah, as Naomi last week, was down in Moab, and then she came back. A change of location did not change her soul. It had to come from the inside. And there had to be something that filled the void in her life that was not earthly. It had to be heavenly. It had to be God. And and so, God's the only one. He's the only entity that can fill this void in the soul. So he says in verse 2, My soul thirsteth for God. I want you to notice in this verse a phrase. Look what it says for the living God. For the living God. This is written in a culture where you could walk into a village or you could walk through streets and you would see people bowing down to pieces of wood. And you would see people in their home who were bowing down to silver on the wall and sometimes to trees that they had brought into their house and they would bow down before that tree and say, you're my God now. Some were out in nature and and they would look up and they said, that's the sun God and that's who made us and that's where we came from. Or a bird would fly by and they would say, that's a great spirit. Some cultures that's been the case as well. And, And everywhere they looked, they would try to form a God, but the psalmist said, I just don't want an inanimate object from my God. I need a living God. I have a thirst in my soul for relationship with my Creator. And yeah, I'm here to tell you that there is no satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. There's none. You can try whatever you want to try and you will leave unsatisfied in your life. And so there is a soul thirst that has to take place. And the psalmist is thirsty. He really wants something from God. Verse number 3, I don't know if this has ever been the case in your life. My tears have been my meat day and night. The only thing I've been eating is my own tears. Well, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? In another place, the psalmist said, I took my tears and I caught them in a bottle. Right, that's an amusing thing to do, right? Right up there with watching the water tower rust. And right, Goodness gracious, can you imagine the boredom? I'm going to take a tear and put it in a bottle. So that's what we did back in the Midwest for fun. We'd go out on Friday night and watch the water tower rust. That was about the, the most enjoyable thing we had to do. Some of you don't even get that. How many of you even know what a water tower is? Right? They're made out of metal. Do you get it now? Okay, some of you still don't get it. So I'll tell it to you afterward. We'll, we'll kind of converse about that. But here the psalmist is saying, look, all I've had in my life is tears. And as I sit there and cry, and as I sit there and weep, and as I sit there and mourn over life and where my life is... Everybody who walks by who knows me, who's an acquaintance, says, where's your God? Where's your God? As if your God and you having a God means that you should never have trouble. Isn't that the way your co-workers kind of treat it? Isn't that the way your extended family kinds to treat your life? If you go to church and you claim to know God and you claim to have Jesus as your Savior, that your life is then supposed to be perfect, right? And your relatives sometimes get a chuckle when your kids do wrong, right? And maybe you got a chuckle out of theirs too. You got a chuckle out of your sister or brother who was going to be the perfect parent and their kids were never going to do anything wrong. And now they're the kid that you can hear seven aisles over in Walmart. There's a little bit of a chuckle there, right? And uh, people, when you have that trouble and you have that sickness and you have that pain in your life and they say, where's your God now? They're asking the psalmist this and his tears are just running. Where's your God? And there's a soul thirst that's taking place here. There's no substitute for God filling that void, and that brings us into this area of soul trouble. Soul trouble. Here is tears. His meat day and night. People are saying, "Where's your God?" Now, I want you to notice something interesting in verse number four. He says, "When I remember these things, I pour out my soul." Do you see this next part? In me now this is where spiritual self-awareness came in before i could pour out my soul to everybody else i had to figure out what was going on in me i pour out my soul in me now boy we have a generation of people today more than any generation in history that puts their feelings out there and they put them out there fast And sometimes they put them out there too fast. And they wish they could take those 139 characters back off of Twitter when they're going for the next job interview. Or when they're trying to get hired in a certain situation, they say, boy, I wish I wouldn't have said that. That had a lot of letters in it that started with F. Or a lot of words in it that started with F. They're on my Twitter feed. And they put their feelings out there. And boy, it's a rough time in our culture because... Young people are trained from the youngest age to talk about to everybody how you feel. Talk about your emotions and put it out there. And yet the psalmist is saying, before I could go to anybody else, I had to figure out what was going on inside of my own soul. I had to relate with my Creator about what was going on inside of my soul. And there was soul trouble so look what question he asked. And if you remember from our earlier reading, he asked it three times. And the first time is verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? So he's asking his own soul first. Why art thou cast down, my, my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? And he's asking himself, soul, What is it that's making you so anxious about life today? Why are you burdened today? We're going to find out later in the message that it's good for us to pour out our souls to God. But you know, it's also good for us to pour our souls out to ourselves before we pour them out to others. There's a lesson that's being taught in this psalm that the direction of our soul pain should go to God, and it should also go inward before it goes outward. We saw last week that Naomi had an effect on her unsaved daughters-in-law and their lives because she poured out her bitterness to them. She told her unsaved relatives, God's got it out for me. God's trying to take me down. God doesn't love me anymore. You know, when how bad your God is to you becomes the subject matter at the family Thanksgiving dinner, you may not have the influence to reach those people for Christ in the future. And so this soul health thing starts with me talking to me and saying, what has got you so upset today? But it's where that self-awareness has to come in. Because a lot of times, I try to tell myself, there's no trouble here. Pass on by. Nothing wrong here. I only drank six beers last night because I was thirsty. Right? No trouble here. I only went back to that addiction because I felt like it. No trouble here. I'm only looking for my old boyfriend or my old girlfriend on Facebook even though I've been married for two years because I felt like it. No trouble here. There's trouble. There's trouble in your soul. And the trouble in your soul is making you reach out to your old addictions and to your old self-sabotage and to your old relationships because you're trying to figure out what that trouble is without asking yourself what's the trouble and goodness gracious we have in our society today more counselors and more psychiatrists and more psychologists than we've ever had and did you realize we still have more trouble than we've ever had We still have more people who can't figure out what's going on than we've ever had before. And yet, when you go back 3,000 years ago, Saul must have the same problem. My soul, what's going on? And there is a soul trouble. So that's the first half of the message, and that's kind of the bad news part. Now we go to solving the problem. How can we figure out from this psalm and these psalms what the solution is? And so we go to soul testimony. Soul testimony. Look at verse number 6. He says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. That's self-awareness. Therefore, look what he says, therefore will I remember thee. You see this first part of the solution? The sole testimony is when I have trouble to admit that I have trouble and then to remember God and to remember what he's done. Now, look at the order of how this verse takes place. He said, I will remember thee from the land of Jordan. That seems to be kind of a faraway place. And of the Hermonites, that's way up in the north. Yeah, probably far away as well. And then it says, from the hill Mizar. You look at that. What's the hill Mizar? You know it was? It was a little hill. It was a local hill. And he says, I'm gonna remember God in a personal way. I'm gonna remember what God has done for me as an individual. I'm gonna remember God from the times when I've talked to him on the little hill. And if you've never talked to God on the little hill, you're not going to have much to remember. If you've never formed a personal relationship with the Creator, you don't have anything to go back to when your soul gets in trouble. Once we've diagnosed what's eating at our souls, that self-awareness, those who've established a relationship with God will be able to go back with Him and remember what He's done and what He can do and His loving kindness. I love verse number 8 probably as much as any verse in this passage. He says, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And here's a phrase I underline. And in the night, His song shall be with me. You ever felt like it's nighttime in your life? Sun may be shining outside, but you kind of feel like it's nighttime in your life. That the struggle is there and you don't know where to turn and your soul is in upheaval. And maybe the souls of people around you are in upheaval. And yet, we have this promise of God that's given to us. This beautiful promise. In the night, His song shall be with me. In the night, He's going to keep speaking into my life. And my prayer unto the God of my life. Once again, He personalizes it. He says, it's my God. He's a living God. He's the God of my life. And there's soul testimony there. We talked in our life groups today about this same question, why my soul? And is it okay to be angry with God? Is it okay to express frustration with God? Is it okay to tell God, God, I'm feeling like this. Is that okay? And And we said, yeah, it's okay because God already knows anyway. God already knows the deepest parts of your soul. And if you're going to be real in a relationship with Him, you have to express it to Him. And uh, you can't hide it from Him. You can't act like you don't have that problem. So, there's definitely a soul thirst that begins this. Everybody has that void. Everybody wants their life filled. Some don't realize it's with God. And then there's the soul trouble where we actually internalize this and we say, my soul, what's going on? Why are you so upset? Why are you disquieted in me? Soul testimony is the first part of the cure. The last part of the cure is soul truth. And So the psalm continues. And I want you to notice how it changes direction in the speaking. Look at verse number 9. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Now, had God really forgotten this person? And so, here's what we know. If you can't be honest in who God is, and you can't be honest in your conversation, you can't have real healing. And so he says, why have you forgotten me? Then he asks another question. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And then he goes back through the whole thing about his enemies are reproaching him and they're saying, Where's your God now? And he asks, Why aren't they cast down on my soul? But then we get to this chapter 43. And uh, he begins still with this thought against others the deceitful man, the unjust man, the ungodly nation. Then he says in verse number 2, For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? He's still struggling in his relationship with God. Then verse number 3, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. And I want you to understand something this morning. Only God's light and only God's truth will heal the hurting soul. Only God's truth and light will lead us to that inner place of renewal and refreshment. And He is the health of our soul. Verse number 4, Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy... Yea, upon the harp, it's another reason why we think this could be David, Yea, upon the harp will I praise Thee, O God, my God. And so the whole soul of this individual has changed to understand, yes, there's trouble. And yes, there's difficulty. But I'm asking the wrong questions. Instead of asking why God has left me and why God's cast me down and why God's forsaken me, I should be seeking His truth. I should be seeking His light in my life. And it ends again with this same dilemma. He comes right back to it again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? So the same questions. Now look at his answer. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. What it means is that God is the very health of my soul. I cannot have soul health and soul renewal without God. It's not going to happen. And so the psalmist says, I've got to hope in God. I've got to lift God up. I've got to understand who my God is. And so we get to this question in our lives so often. Why my soul? What's going on? Why, why do I have trouble again? Sometimes you kind of do the checklist in your life and you kind of figure out, boy, this seems like this is good and this is good and my family's good and maybe my marriage is good maybe my job's good. What's going on? Why do I feel so desperate? Why do I feel so disquieted? Why do I feel so emotional? What's going on in my soul? Sometimes we just really struggle to figure it out. And we get to these places in our lives where we almost have what they call panic attacks because we can't figure out what's wrong in our own souls. And sometimes we ask our family members and they don't have a clue and they don't help us, maybe the way we think they should. Maybe we ask our friends, and maybe they don't give us the answer we really need. And the only answer that really works is God. And when you say to God, God, why is my soul cast down? Why am I so upset? What's going on in my life? He comes back with that sole answer hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. And that's soul truth, and it really—it's—it's the, it's the foundation of everything about your soul health, is to be truthful and honest with where you're at. I know that just about every human being who's ever lived has had some type of thing that we fall back to as our emotional security, right? And uh, whether when you're a kid, maybe it was your baba or your blanket right? And we, we were coming, my wife is out of town, and we were coming uh, to church the other night, and Sophie was digging in her diaper bag on the way, because I put it in arm's reach, a oh, horrible father, I failed miserably, and she unzipped it, and she was taking out every contraption known to man, thinking, how is that in the diaper bag? And she found down in the bottom of her diaper bag a hidden gem that I don't think my wife even knew about, she found an intact pacifier. Right? Now, my wife was a brutal Nazi to her uh, about seven or eight months ago, and she took all of her pacifiers one Sunday night, and she said, Tomorrow, when Sophie wakes up, all of her pacifiers are going to have the end cut off of them. And I almost wept. <laughs> I felt like I was at Auschwitz or something. You can't do that to a baby. You can't do that to a child. How are you going to take the thing that she goes to when she's crying, when she's upset, and you're going to cut it off? That's wrong. And she said, well, if we don't do it now, it'll be harder later. And Of course, she was right. and I was wrong. But for a few days, even a couple weeks, the only question I heard at my house was, where did my Patsy go? And then she found one of them. And she said, My passy broken. (laughs) Duh, broken. Talk to her. Talk to me. Looking at me with those big crocodile tears like I had something to do with it. I didn't do it. Daddies are nice. (laughs) And so then she started asking, where my broken passy go? And then finally, we kind of got them all hidden and put away. Until the other night, and she found intact, whole, wonderful passy <laughs> at the bottom of the bag. And she got that thing in her mouth faster than I could eat a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> it was just right in there. And I think uh, Miss Penny was in the nursery, and she kept it, she was had it going the whole time. And so that night when we got home, We got out of the truck, and I said to her, Sophie, you don't need this anymore. You're a big girl. And she laughed at me. (laughs) She laughed at me. And she said, I need my passy. You don't need your passy." So I hit it again, and I've kept the bag away from her. And I don't think she's forgotten about it, but it's kind of been off the scene. You know, that's where a lot of us are at in our lives we have things that we clutch that are our security blanket, and if they go away, it's like our life has been ruined. Right? And what would some people do without a cell phone? It would be the end of the world, right? What would some teenagers do without turning the thing on every 12 seconds? Right? I, I saw a study the other day that the average teenager checks their cell phone every 18 seconds between the hours of 7 and 10 p.m. Is that insane? You take that away. Or you take away maybe that car that's your dream. Or you take away that relationship. And it's kind of like your whole life was built on something that's not even real. And Jesus talked about it in a parable. He said there was a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the flood came and the waters came, his house stood firm. He said, but there was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the flood came and when the waters came down, his house, we used to say in Sunday school, went splat. Why? Because he had his life built on the wrong foundation. And if your soul security blanket is not Jesus Christ this morning, your life at some point is going to go splat. And you're going to wonder, what is going on with my life? Here's what's going on with your life. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's the only answer for your life. And this morning you could realize how much you need Him. And we could take the Word of God and show you how you can have Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you need to restore that relationship with Him. Maybe you need to take the pacifier out of your mouth and grow up spiritually a little bit and live for God. Sometimes we rest on these physical things, these addictions, these things that plague us, that we say, if only I could get rid of this in my life, then I would serve God. How about this? Cut the end off of it. Get rid of it. Make it go away. God is the only one who can take those elements out of our lives and restore us and renew us. There's no physical way to do it. There's a spiritual way to victory this morning. Let's pray together. As we bow, I don't really have any specific question to you today, but I want you to know that we're going to take a couple minutes, and if you have anxiety in your soul, and you're worried about your soul health today, and your spirit is just overwhelmed in you, and you're cast down in your spirit, you don't know where to turn. I want you to know that you can hope in God this morning. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for the way that you renew our soul the way that You restore us to soul health. And I pray that You'd be with every person in this room today that we would right now have the self-awareness to know if there's something in the soul that needs help. Maybe it's salvation, building our lives on the right foundation. Maybe it's going to God with our trouble or speaking His name in our anxiety. Whatever it would be, I pray that we would take these things before You this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?